Hello and welcome to Brits on Flix. I'm your host Graham. With me as usual is Brian and we are here for a special bonus episode with the release of Christopher Nolan's Dunkirk in Cinemas, which is his 10th feature movie. We have decided to rank all 10 of his movies and have an argument, probably fall out and never speak to each other ever again afterwards. But it's something we have decided to endeavour for your entertainment. So, Brian, I think we're going to start at 10, work our way down to 1. Is that correct, Jess? Yeah, that's right. And um, who's going to go first? Uh, I'll go first. Um, let's start with uh, just... Well, hang on, hang on. Let, let's just preface this with the fact that the guy's not made a bad movie. See, I, you just took the words from my mouth, because I, I was literally just going to say, I'll start this by simply saying... The, no film on this list is at the bottom end because it's a bad film. This is, without doubt... As, you know, I've, I've been making movie lists for... since I was a young teenager, you know, and, and this is, without doubt, one of the hardest lists I've ever had to do because he's never missed... There is not a bad movie amongst these ten. Um, and, and when you're positioning one above the other, you are literally talking minutiae, you know. It, 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 it may as well be the flip of a coin that decides I think it's it. just down to personal taste. It is, yeah. It? it absolutely is, yeah. Um, like, if, if somebody... You know, you say we might get into arguments. It, there's no reason to, because hmm. I, if, if somebody wants to put Interstellar number one, I, I, I can't honestly come up with a, a, a truly great argument why they shouldn't. If they want to put Inception number one, same again, you know? Um <laughs> Yeah, the quality of this guy, of his output, is just phenomenal. Um, that goes without saying, even though we've just said it. We just hammered that point home. Um, so, yeah, our number, my number 10 choice is not a reflection on this film in any way, because it's still, still a really good film. Uh, and with that in mind, uh, I, my number 10 is following... Uh, it, it's his first film made on an absolute shoestring budget, uh, but it but it's got a lot of stuff in there that he would use throughout his work. The non-linear narrative, um, the uh, well, well, not not non-linear editing, I should say, not narrative. Narrative still technically is linear. It's just uh, it's just broken up in a non-linear way. Um, but uh, certain ideas uh, about planting things in your mind. You know, th- there's a character in, in Following who goes by the name of Cobb. And we learn through the, through the course of this film that actually he, he has planted an idea into, that, in, into our main character's mind, which shapes the way he acts. So if that's mm-hmm. not a blueprint for Inception... I don't know what is, you know. Um, so yeah, right, right from day one, you can see a lot of the ideas that Nolan pl- has, has played with throughout his career, and it's such an assured debut. And the only thing that lets it down is the fact that 
they are they are shooting with no money you know the the actors that are in this are, are essentially friends that he studied with at, at university and they're not all particularly great actors truth be told uh, I, I know some of them have gone on to do stuff but nothing of great note i wouldn't say i i know that the woman that's in it she she's done something recently i i can't remember what it was uh i was surprised actually just the other day when somebody told me she was in this 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 film i i wish i could remember the name of it but it was something quite notable um but I personally don't think she's particularly outstanding in this film. Mm-hmm. Um, serviceable, she does she does a good enough job to not let the side down. But it, but if you if Nolan would have, would have made this film with a proper studio budget, there's no way she's getting cast. You know, um, but you work with what you've got when you're shooting on that level. You work with what you've got, and, and mm. based on what he had to work with. Damn, he does a, do- a good job. Um, you've got no arguments here. In fact, my number 10 is following as well mm. for exactly all the reasons that you just mentioned, Brian. Um, <laughs> I, I don't have anything else to let you add. I think you just kind of stole every bit of thunder I had. <laughs> um, Sorry. That's OK. <laughs> I'll let you ramble in again with your mm. number nine. Okay. Uh, my, my number nine, and this is often quoted as being Nolan's most underrated film, uh, and, and I hate the use of that word these days. It's bandied about so much. But my number nine is Insomnia, and I, I really do hate to put it in this position because I actually, I actually think it's a... It's a really good film. Great performances all round. And I, I've watched it many times, I must say. I, uh, I've i spoken with a few people who say, yeah, Insomnia is a good film, but it's it's not the kind of film that like, I, I kind of revisit. It's, it's the one on Nolan's CV that I can do without watching again. And I must say, I have seen it a lot. I do... I do put it in quite regularly. I just think that it's a it's a really well orchestrated police procedural thriller with cracking performances, and um, yeah, it, it kind of has a Michael Mann vibe about it. I mean, there's a lot in Christopher Nolan's work actually that has a Michael Mann vibe about it. If you think Michael Mann crossed with Stanley Kubrick, you get Nolan, um, but. I, I do think it's a great film, and it's only a testament to just how good the rest of the films are on this list that this gets to number nine. Um, yeah, it does hurt to put it there, I've got to say. OK, my number nine is Insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> Again, for the reasons you've just said, but I will say it's one of these movies that you would look through your collection and go, oh yeah, Insomnia's really good. No, not tonight. Yeah. And move on. Yeah. But if you happened to be flicking through the TV and this was just starting, you would sit and watch every moment of it and love it. Mm. But again, it's not something that you just go and grab. Yeah. But it is, like you said, a terrific cat and mouse uh, movie. Yeah. It's a remake. Um, it should be noted as well. Yeah, yeah. But it's, it's a great movie. It is. Um, I, I mean, I... It's one of them films for me that... Every couple of years, for, for for some reason, I just get the bug 
like it just pops into my head and I'm like, or, or I might see a write-up on it or I might see a, a piece of footage from it on something and then I'll be like, oh, insomnia. And then it, and then that'll be it. It'll be kind of niggling at me for days. And I'll be like, I'm go- I've got to watch it. I need to go and watch insomnia. Um, and, and because I'm... And I think it just... Just because I'm such a huge Nolan fan as well, I mean, Nolan is my favourite director, I'll say that up front now. I am a Nolan fanboy, I don't mind saying that. Um, And I I just, yeah, if I'm I'm watching... I'll I'll do a Nolan binge, basically, you know, I'll, I'll... Every couple of years or so, uh, usually when he's had a new film out, like when when Dunkirk comes out on Blu-ray, I'll probably have a, a Nolan binge and, and just watch everything. Uh, but yeah, yeah, I think we're, this is where we're going to see part company <coughs> on the, the matching up of movies now. Okay, um, as we said, personal taste. So Brian, you might take it away with your number eight. Okay, um, my number eight, and and I know, I know, people are going to be. St- screaming when when I say this again I have to emphasize not because it's a bad film you know I give this like a four and a half out of five probably a five out of five to be honest it's it's been a while since I've seen it but uh, it, it is that good uh, and it's memento um I I can't really think of anything to criticise about it. You, you, like, you literally, you ask me, well, okay, there's got to be something that's knocked it down to that spot that has, that has allowed you to put the rest of his work above it. So what's, what's the thing that lets it down? What's the, the, the critique, so to speak? And I honestly don't have one, because it's just a bloody good film. Um, I just... I don't know, I guess it's just, for whatever reason, if you line his movies up on the DVD shelf, and I'm getting my twitchy fingers out, which one am I going to pull out? I I don't know why Memento isn't the one I'm going to pull out over the others. Hmm. But I I do love it. Every time I've seen it, it really connects with me. I really... I, um, I feel invested in the main character. Um... I, it, it boggles my brain trying to work out the narrative, and I enjoy doing that. It's like a puzzle, um, but but a really enjoyable one to crack. And it does have a really emotional um, kind of centerpiece. This when you learn of Leonard's identity and his backstory, and you know you, stuff starts creeping in. It. it, it there are quite a few emotional beats in there, you know. So, so a few people have accused Nolan of being a, a bit too clinical, and it's, it's the same ac- accusations that were levelled at Kubrick. But I, I find, while I find those accusations can somewhat hold up against Kubrick, even though Kubrick is still one of my favourite filmmakers, um, I do find that Nolan has more heart. He is Kubrick with heart. There are there are times in his movies where I do find myself getting emotional, uh, and, and and I do think that happens with Memento. So yeah, a, a great film. Again, it kills me that, that it's at number eight, but there you yeah. go. But again, personal taste. Yeah. Like we said, these movies are all great. Yeah. Um, my number eight is Dunkirk. Right. Okay. Technically, I think it's perfect. Technically, the, the aerial scenes, the fighting scenes, they're all 
immaculately done. The best thing about this movie, in my opinion, is the sound design. If this doesn't get the Oscar for the sound design, I don't know why. When that first gunshot goes off, I literally jumped about three feet off the Yeah. It just is so loud in your face. But I couldn't really... There were so many characters and there were so many jumping all over the place, I couldn't really find myself getting emotionally attached to one single person to go through this full story. Um, which is the only reason I put it down where it is. And I can't imagine watching it at home. I, I want to go to the cinema again and see it on the big screen before it goes. Just to say, you know, get that full experience again. But, you know, I, I want to go and see IMAX. I want to go and see it with a proper sound system again. Mm. I don't think it's going to get the same impact at home. Which is why it's at number eight. Okay. My number seven is Dunkirk. Um, <laughs> I uh, I was just blown away by it. I, I, was, I came out of it and I'm like, this guy is incapable of making a bad movie. Simple as. Um, I just... I loved it. And I, and I did identify with the characters, but not on, not in the same way that you might if you got given loads of backstory, you know? Um, we don't get that here, really. We get it a little bit with Mark Rylance's character. There's a little moment towards the end of the film where we go into a little bit of his history. So, And that, that does kind of make me warm to him. He's kind of the heart of the movie in many ways, you know, the common man who... Uh, kind of steps into in, into something he's, he's quite frankly not qualified for. Um, but he does it because cause he's, he's, he's a hero. He's, he's, he really is the true hero of the film, him and people like him. Um, but, yeah, like, as for the rest of the characters, you don't get those kind of, you know, those backstories like you do in Saving Private Ryan where, where people tell you what they did before they came into the war. So how do you get round that? How how do you how do you make me feel invested in someone in any given moment if if I don't know their history if I don't know them? And Nolan does it. He manages it by by perspective. Again, this thing he's played with throughout his career, which you know he does it through the use of editing. And here he makes us identify with people. It, in in the immediacy of the situation, um, so you, we almost become them because you know he, he replays the same situation, but from a different perspective. And in that perspective, you know we're, we're following a particular character, so you are them in that moment. And it kind of you're feeling their adrenaline, you're feeling their fear. Uh, so yeah, it's expertly done. Uh, you know, it's, it's it does show you how. Such a great handle on the technical aspects of film can have such an impact on the personal element, on the on the emotional element. I think it's an incredible war film, one of the best war films I've ever seen. I've only seen it the once. I will admit that, you know. So that that could just be my Nolan fanboyism talking there. But I I felt about this when I watched it almost what I felt when I first watched Saving Private Ryan, um, which was just awe, really. And, yeah, 
it, 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 time will tell whether it, it is as good a film as Saving Private Ryan. Um, but at the moment, it certainly feels that way to me. To me, as a, as a Nolan fanboy, to me. Um, so, yeah. Okay. Uh, my number seven is The Dark Knight Rises. <laughs> oh, Brian, your face. Um, again, it's not a bad movie. It's enjoyable. I would like to have seen what would have happened if we had a continuation of the Joker story from The Dark Knight. Mm -hmm. um, but unfortunately, that's not going to happen. I think what they do is done well. There's some jumps in logic in it that just don't sit well with me. But that's just me. Um, I think that... Sorry, I'll, I'll let you finish. Sorry, I'm, I, was, I was about to get all defensive. I need to control myself. Go on. Yeah, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I did like it. Uh, I went to see it a couple of times <coughs> in the cinema. It's a fitting into the Batman story. Out of the Batman movies, I think it's the lesser of the three. Okay. Um, my opinion, as, as always. Um, mm -hmm. I do like Bane. Yeah. I know a lot of people had a problem with him, but I think he's a, I think he's a, a formidable adversary for Batman. Mm -hmm. um, I, even the, the Talia Al Ghul storyline, I quite like that as well. Okay. Um, but yeah, Dark Knight Rises is my number seven. Okay. Um, <clears throat> can I just ask what 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 are the inconsistencies that? Yeah, off the top of my head, the whole the whole time scale from his back healing in the in the hole in, in Gotham and, and how they, they're pretty much just going to blow everything up. But they're waiting for Batman to come back before they do it. How he gets back from that that place so quickly as well, just silly things like that. Uh, I could go into a whole spiel of reasoning that, that I have thought through about how he does get back to the city, but... But does it, does it tell you in the movie that? Well, is that you I, I think it's implied um, from information we've had in the previous movies. Um, <sighs> but, but, then, but then by default, it's a movie that only works if you've seen the other two. Yeah, but you could say the same thing about, you know, a lot of trilogies. Um, you know, Return of the Jedi doesn't work if you've not seen the, the first two movies. So, yeah. Um, but, yeah. I uh, see, I want to get into this now. <laughs> it's like... <laughs> We know that Bruce Wayne has got technology, right? We like I, I get the you know how how does he get from the pit to the mansion, say? Um, but let let's say he gets to the mansion. The mansion isn't in the city, yeah. He can get to the mansion just fine because we see we're, we're told in in that in the Dark Knight that he lives in the Palisades. You know, um, Harvey Dent's a little bit sniffy about it. And he, and he lives in, essentially, the country. He lives in the countryside of Gotham. Um, so that's not within the, the area of Gotham that has been... that Bane has essentially cut off from the rest of the world. So assuming Bruce can get back to the mansion, he's got all his tech there, you know? Um, he's, he's, he's got his stealth plane helicopter thing, his, his bat... I can't remember what they called it, um, the, the Batwing or whatever. Um, and I'm, I'm, I'm sure he can 
you know, autopilot that from from the Batcave or whatever. It, there, done. He's in Gotham. You know, it, it's not it's not a stretch to assume that. Um, the question is, how does he get from the uh, the the country he was in back to America? Well, we saw in Batman Begins that he's travelled all over the world. He's got. You know, Wayne Enterprises has got subsidiaries all over the world. We saw in The Dark Knight that he's done... Obviously, all the Batman stuff is off the books, so that is bought and paid for. One can assume that when he went to China in The Dark Knight, all the kit he used there was, you know, was in some kind of safe house somewhere. So you could assume he has places all around the world that, um, you know are essentially storehouses in, in case he needs to be in that particular country or whatever. Hitch a ride to that set, to that storehouse, boom, he's got what he needs to get back home. I don't know, it just, it just feels like, for me, if you think about it logically, from what we've seen in the previous films, his training, his, his resources, it's not too much of a stretch for me to assume he can get back into Gotham. And it feels like that, that seems to be the criticism I hear most for why people try and tear the film down. And, and for me, it's, 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 not, it's not enough. Uh, it's, it, it, it's a weak argument, to, to me personally. Um, and and you, you might... I love that. I love the rationale. Assumption. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> No, 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 it's not assumption. It's based on information we've already been given in previous films. You, there's a, you, you said yourself, you're assuming that's why you got from... I, I, said, one, I said one could assume. There, 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 there are... Certain assumptions in life can be made based on um, reasoned argument, based, based on, uh, you know, a, a knowledge of certain facts... That would that would make it reasonable to assume other information, um, and I feel like movies do that all the time. Uh, it's just in this, for some reason, people take real umbrage to it. But hey, you know, it's personal opinion. I've I've justified it in my own mind. If somebody doesn't want to accept that justification, that's fine. That's that's you know, the, the film doesn't work for them. But for me, it works. If I can explain it in my own head, I'm fine with it. Um, but again, you're talking to... Life in the bubble. It is, you know, and I'll freely admit that. To a certain extent, I'm a huge Batman fan. I'm a huge Nolan fan. So this film ticks every box. Um, and there, it's going to take an awful lot to derail it for me. Um, but, but remember, I'm, I'm not saying it's a bad movie. No, 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 you're not. I know. I like it. I do yeah. like it. And you've already put it above Dunkirk, um, you know, so yeah. it's... Yeah. I, I get it. I do. I, I get it. Um, okay. Where were we? You just did Down Eye Rises. So my number six. I struggled with this one. I struggled as to where to put it. Um, and it's The Prestige. My number six is The Prestige. I, oh, I love this movie. And I actually didn't the first time I watched it. Well, well right. truth, truth be told, the first time I watched it, I, I totally loved it except for the last reveal. Um, and and I, 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 I couldn't get my head around that last reveal. I, I didn't accept it. I was like, no, that can't be the ending. What's the trick? I want to know what the trick is. How did he do it? How did... It can't be science fiction. You're not telling me he actually transported. No, I, I'm not accepting that. What was the Because that's what I was waiting for. I was waiting for the reveal. I was waiting for the prestige. 
You know, the, you talk, the, the film talks about this three-act structure of a magic trick. And, uh, you know, the, the prestige is that big reveal of telling you how they did it, revealing that it was a trick. So the trick of this film is that actually it wasn't a trick. And, and that's, how, you know, that's the wool that is pulled over your eyes. And it gets you to invest so much in what these characters are doing, in who they are, in their, in their um, obsessive... Uh, dysfunction towards one another, rivalry is the word I was after, um, that that you don't see that coming. You, you, the fact that this is actually... We're meant to say that, yeah, what what we were seeing, that's what was happening. It wasn't a trick. Um, but once I got over that and, and I went back and I re-watched it and I realised what Nolan was doing... Um, I, I just loved it um, because I took it. I took it on because it, it, it's more than just like a twist. Again, it's, it's it's one of those films like for me a bit like The Sixth Sense, where a lot of people say, "Oh, Sixth Sense. Once you know the twist, there's there's nothing to it after that." And I totally disagree um, because there's a real emotional punch at the end of The Sixth Sense between the, the kid and his mum, which always has me invested. Always really really hits me um and, and i think a lot of people could say the same about this film in the sense that oh once you once you once you see the twist and when you know once you you get that the whole trick thing behind it you don't need to watch it again it's this but i disagree because i think you become so emotionally engaged and invested in these two characters, in pretty much in the same way you do with the the two characters from Heat, Michael Mann's film, and I've already stated that you know there's a lot of inspiration in uh, Nolan's work from Michael Mann, and 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 again that's evident here, just the way he plays these two different sides, essentially two main characters. Um, I, I I I honestly couldn't say that one of them is is the lead over the other. It, to me, this feels like a film with two leads or more. Um, if you know, if, if you've seen the film, um, so yeah, incredible character study of obsession of what of, of what obsession can do when it's at its most ugliest. Um, yeah, brilliant, brilliant film. Okay, my number six is Batman Begins. Um, I, I really like Batman Begins. It, it was such a weird decision for Nolan to, to go from the movies he'd done into doing Batman. Mm. You know, such a large franchise. Yeah. But I think it, it was the making of one of the best trilogies, superhero trilogies ever, mm. and it was also the making of the man, I think, himself, because after this he really started to get the money um, to try some bigger things that he wanted to do. Mm. Which in which case gave more money for the Batman movies, which created more money. It just it allowed him the freedom to go in and do the movies that he really, really wanted to tell the stories of. Oh, not to say he didn't want to tell the Batman stories, he did. But mm. I think this was really the making of Nolan and of this Batman world that everybody's been trying to live up ever since. Um, I like the Scarecrow. I like uh, Ra's al Ghul. Um, I, I'm not 100% keen on the look of Gotham. Right, that, and that's me just being totally pernickety. If mm. I'm really just just 
had to because it looks a little bit too gothic, a little bit much like the city of Burton. Uh, not not as weird as that, but a little bit gothic. Whereas in the next two movies, he went to see like large, like Chicago type towns, you know, like skyscrapers and buildings. So this one was a little bit weird with the the, the building designs. It was kind of gothic, but other than that, the, the movie's tremendous, and I think mm. Christian Bale, who he had to really fight to put in as Batman, again was made into his own through this. Yeah, um, yeah it's a start to a tremendous trilogy. Okay. Uh, yeah. Um, I, oh man, just, I'm a huge Batman fan. I really am. Uh, anyone who's checked out my YouTube channel, you'll know that because I, I do, I have done a lot of Batman stuff on there. Currently doing it. Gotham, reviews uh yeah i just i love the character it was those it was those tim burton movies that got me into the character you know that i started reading comic books because of those tim burton movies and obviously reading the comic books for a long period of time after that i i you know i obviously came to the realization that the tim burton movies weren't that faithful an adaptation uh but i didn't care i still loved those movies because they were what introduced me to the character but the, the 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 character with regards to the films was pretty much destroyed by Joel Schumacher. Um, so the hope of getting just a decent Batman film again was pretty slim. But to get something of this level, man, I I still remember. The, you know, there, there are certain films where you can remember the exact, just everything about that first showing that you saw it. You know, and I, I was I was a projectionist at the time. I was working at a cinema. Sorry, I wasn't a projectionist then. I was I was working at a cinema. I was, a, I, was, I, was, I was an usher at that time. Um, and it was a staff screening, and we went to watch it. And um, for me, this, this film just... Oh, it was more than I could have ever hoped for as a Batman fan. Um, I, I, I just loved it. If I had to criticise something about the film, if I had to find something, the only thing that for me would, would be that you can't always see what's going on in the fight sequences. Um, but But even that is a creative choice, which is... It is about character, you know. It's about Batman being a ninja, about moving so fast you can't see what he's doing, you know, about moving in the shadows. So it actually feeds in to the character, to the mythos that Nolan is trying to create. Uh, so it's not it's not a particularly large criticism, uh, really. So... Yeah, I mean, that was your choice, but I've just ranted on about it. So, <laughs> I just, yeah, I told you, you know, we get into Nolan, I'm I'm just going to be like, I'm just going to be harping on for ages. But, um, yeah, I... When we get, we'll get to it, yeah, Brian. when we get to Batman Begins on my end, I'll I'll try and not say much more about it because I've pretty much just said it. Uh, but yeah, that so that was your choice, Batman Begins at num- number f- six. Six, yes, yep. And so number five, my number number four and number five. Oh man, 
so so hard. Um, but in 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 the end, I went with um, the, for number four. I went with the one that I get the most emotional punch from. Um, <clears throat> number five is probably the one that is is technically more stunning um, with regards to the way it's thought out, you know, the way it's written, just the concepts in it, the way they're dealt with. Uh, and and that film is Inception. Uh, yeah, my, my number five is Inception. It's an incredible film. Absolutely incredible film. I, I think this is in my... Well, I don't think I know. This is in my top 20 movies of all time. Um, I have recently been working on a top 100. I'm trying to, still in the stages of finalising it, but in, Inception's in my top 20 movies of all time, uh, which which tells you that tells you something about the rest of the movies that got, uh, we have to go in this list. Tells you something about how highly I regard Nolan. Um, but just yeah, you sit there watching Inception. Well, I do anyway, and I'm just absolutely boggled by how this came out of someone's head. How somebody thought this out and put it together in such a way that it makes sense, you know? Um, and, and sure, there are things about it that you, that you can discuss, that you can debate and get into real arguments over. But I think most people who see it, have a sense that they feel like they know what has, what's gone on, um, you know. You, even if you have a different take on it, um, it's just it's just intelligent blockbuster. You look at you look at the average blockbuster. You look at something like what Michael Bay would put out. This is the <laughs> this is the antithesis of that. It proves that you can spend big big money on a blockbuster and not lose intelligence you know um yeah fantastic absolutely fantastic yes um, <laughs> okay my number five is interstellar okay uh, the story sorry to break the batman run there brian uh, <laughs> interstellar the, the story of a man trapped in a bookcase um or so people try to say, as if that's mm. where it was all down to. Mm. I don't even know where to start on this. Um, it's a movie about time, definitely. About time lost, time spent the wrong way. Um, with Matthew McConaughey's character, who really wanted to spend that time with his daughter. Mm. And kind of lost it by trying to save the human race, which isn't a, 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 it's a noble ad adventure, but I think he, he feels at the time would be far more rewarding with his daughter. He loses that time, he's never going to get it back. Um, it's, it's got this really weird robot that for some reason <laughs> has so much personality, it's just ridiculous and tars. Um, which is a shame he keeps adjusting the humour level on it, because mm. I quite like that. But <laughs> it's amazing that it's such a, a three-dimensional character within a robot. Mm. You have these worlds that he goes to, the, the first one where he's, he's there for an hour and loses years. Oh, and yeah. uh, he, he gets to see his daughter growing up 
over the case of what has been a hour or so to him. Mm. And because of his performance as he breaks down, looking at that, just realising again at the time he's lost uh, and the effect that that time has had on his daughter uh, is heartbreaking. Do you know, I, I, I want to go on and talk about it this a little bit. I don't even think I can articulate my thoughts on it properly. I think it's a, a profound movie that, that just hits you right in the feels mm. the way it should be. And I think a lot of people really just put it down to McConaughey's stuck in the bookcase. Yeah. <laughs> it pisses me off. Yeah. It really does piss me off because, you know, open your hearts, open your minds a little bit more, you'll find something <coughs> a lot deeper in this movie. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, for me, and and I, I can talk about this now because this is actually my uh, my number four choice. Um, mm. Yeah, you know, if, if somebody wants to argue that, Inter- that Inception's the better film, I, there's not much I can do to argue against that, and, and I'm not bothered uh, about about that. But um, just emotionally, this hits me harder. Um, it's just gut wrenching at, at times. Like, like you say that. I mean, that that scene in which he's watching the uh, the footage back has been has been used for so many memes. You know, like, but which which is annoying in many many respects because now when you watch it, you you see those. But it's only um, those. I think those memes only came about just as as a result of how powerful that moment is. How affecting that moment is um you know brilliant performance by mcconaughey but for me this is a film about science and science versus faith but how actually the two can be reconciled and how actually the the two don't have to be separate entities from one another um you know it's he has to have faith towards the end of this film in order to make the leap that he does to save the planet but but through that through that faith he's opened up to a whole new world of science that so far our our brains are just just won't be able to comprehend and it's it's just i, I just i i like that you know it, it really it it sits well with me it's it's you know as, as as a man of faith myself, I I'm someone who doesn't believe that the two have to be. You know, it's it's not one or the other. You know, I, I think the two go hand in hand. Um, science science often often affects my faith, often shapes my faith, and faith often shapes my outlook on science. And, and I just, I, I feel that's what Nolan's discussing here. You know, you've got this character played by Anne Hathaway, who is a who is a scientist, first and foremost, but she is also a woman who go, goes out on limbs based on just feelings, just on, on simple faith. Um, she, she's someone who, who does reconcile both of those two elements, whereas McConaughey's character, at the beginning of the film, he, he is a man who he doesn't have faith. He's, 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 he's all about science. Science is everything to him. And, and, and that changes over the course of the film as, as he's forced to kind of come to terms with what he's lost in his pursuit 
of science, you know, this, this, the love for his family. Um, it's, it's just, it's a brilliant film. It really is. It's, 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 to me, it's 2001 Space Odyssey with heart. Uh, as, as I've said before, Nolan to me is Kubrick with heart. Um, and that's, that's, that's not a diss on Kubrick because it, it, I, I, I still love Kubrick. Um, but for me, I, I just love that Nolan can take familiar things that Kubrick's done because there's, there's obvious references in this film to 2001. Um, it's, it's, it's the most obvious inspiration, I would say. But he just, yeah, he just injects that heart. He just injects that emotional punch. So, yeah. Interstellar, my number four. Okay, my number four is Memento. Um, I love this movie. absolutely love it. Um, and I think... Um, Anybody else's hands, this story would have been a generic, typical thriller, semi-mystery type movie. But in Nolan's hands, the way he constructs his story, maybe or the way he deconstructs his story, even the way he um, so he layers it up and and tells his story backwards is a masterstroke mm. because it one it puts you in Leonard's perspective mm. by telling you nothing until you see the next five minutes. Or the next, five, or the previous five minutes, or the previous five minutes before you piece together the story of it, which, which has actually happened. Um, and two, I don't know where I was going. I was kind of lost on how fantastic <laughs> the first point is. Um, <laughs> I've done that before. <clears throat> yeah, uh, I, I've watched this several times. The most baffling thing for me was the extra or the Easter egg that was on the DVD when it came out, where you could do something fancy and it would give you the movie in proper chronological order. Mm. And that just seems silly because there would be no mystery there. It would take away all the, the snazzy bells and whistles that the movie yeah. has. Takes out the tension. I, I I have watched it. Have you have you oh, watched, watched it? Yeah, I I I was intrigued to see what it'd be like and and. Truth be told, it's just it just doesn't work that way at all. But I bet you it makes you appreciate the movie. I'll oh yeah, it. yeah, absolutely. Um, it's so the performance of Guy it. Pierce, I think, is terrific. Mm. It's a really novel tale that the guy tattooing, pertinent information on him, mm. telling himself lies yeah. that he knows he's going to believe in the next few minutes to try and get himself through this full situation. It's Full of great performances. It's a really rich story. It's a novel story that I haven't seen done before or since again. Mm. Um, I, I love Memento. I think it's terrific. Yeah. Okay. Um, right. Well, obviously, there's only three films left to go. So, <laughs> anyone who's been paying attention will note that I've not yet named a Batman film. Um, I've talked about them at great length, but <clears throat> I've not cropped them up. So, clearly, Dark Knight Trilogy is my favourite. I'm a huge Batman fan. For me, this is the best trilogy, the greatest trilogy of all time. Uh, it's my favourite Nolan movies. And they are my three favourite movies of all time. And that simply comes down to the fact that I find it so hard to actually put them in, 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 in any kind of ranked order. Um, but if I have to, 
if I'm if I'm you, have to. you know if, if if I've got a gun to my head and I have to put them in order, then this is the order I put them in. At number three is the Dark Knight Rises, um, and I honestly can't tell you why. I can't tell you why that goes at number three. Um, I think I think because. One of the other films out of the three, quite frankly, was the, the greatest cinematic experience of my life. And I went to see it eight times at the cinema. Um, and I loved it each time. And the other film of the three was, was just... Yeah, it delivered everything and more um, that I was expecting from it. Uh, this to, to me, this is this is on equal footing. But I just think by the time you get to a third film, you kind of know what you're getting. Um, so it doesn't hold quite as many surprises, but it's still just such a thrill ride. Uh, I love it. I absolutely love it. So yeah, Dark Knight Rises at number three. Um, okay, my number three is. My number three is The Dark Knight. Um, terrific movie. Best of the Batman movies. Uh, one of the biggest comic book movies ever for a reason. With, let's face it, uh, Heath Ledger's Joker is tremendous. And the backlash that came out about him being cast in this was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. Without people had even seen a frame of the movie, mm. they were lambasting the choice. Yeah. And... The Joker lights up the screen. Every scene he is on, he is the Joker personified. He's unpredictable. He's crazy. He's super intelligent. And he can do literally everything or anything. And he's so good that when he's out of the movie for the last half hour, it kind of just gets a little bit wishy was still there. Almost. Um, and then the two-faced part of it, I'm not... I can see why it's there. I'm not the biggest fan of that part of it. Oh. But, you know, it's, it, I think it's only because what has become before with the Joker is just absolutely better than we could ever have hoped for. Hmm. It's a shame we didn't get a continuation of that character because I just think they absolutely nailed it. Yeah. Okay. Um... Yeah. <laughs> My number two choice is Batman Begins. Uh, I, I won't go into it because we, 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 I, I, I said so much about it earlier, but just, just to reiterate, I, I went to this film w with only the mildest of hopes that it would be good. Um, so to get a true Batman film that gets the character that I, that, that I love from the comics. You know, I, Batman, Batman is one of those characters that you can't really say there's a true definitive adaptation of them because he's, he, he's been so many different things over the years. Mm. But for me, 
when I was reading comic books, that era that I read, the ninth, you know, early nineties to late nineties comic books, to me, he, he just felt like he slipped right into that kind of mould. That that was, he seemed very faithful to that era of comic books, which was the era that I really loved. Um, so yeah, he seeing that on on the big screen, it was just it was just everything. To me, I, I loved it. I, I just I was taken along from the ride for the ride from start to finish, and I enjoyed every last bit of it. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. My number two is the Prestige, okay. which is Warring Magicians. Which <laughs> I, I mean, even just saying Warring Magicians just sounds tremendous. Mm. Um, but it's, it's it's more than that. It's a tale of obsession and revenge, and how revenge will ultimately destroy you or destroy part of you. Um, Hugh Jackman, Christian Bale, excellent. Scarlett Johansson, Michael Caine, they're all terrific. It's good. It's good. David Bowie, even he's good as Tesla. Um, like you said, it gets a really strange turn in the sort of final parts of the movie, which is an unexpected twist. Um, I didn't even see the twist with Christian Bale's character coming mm. at all. Um, I was that engrossed with the movie. I think the tricks are, are fantastic and all the time. And yeah, I mean, it's break it down to the, the two people who just can't break free of their desire to tear the other person down and it ultimately destroys what makes them them. It, it, it just captivates me. Yeah, I, I do like that. You know, you've got these two main characters. Mm. Who do you root for? <laughs> Neither of them. They're yeah. both destroying each other. Yeah. It, it, it's, a, it's a great tale. Um, it came out at the same time as uh, yeah, the Edward Norton one. Yeah, The Illusionist. The Every, Illusionist. Uh, yeah, many people I get that as well. I, I think it's okay. I just, I, I oh. just don't think it's a patch on the prestige. I love it. And the thing that annoys me is that people compare the two, and they are completely different. Yeah. Other than being period films yeah. about with magicians in them, they're nothing alike. Nothing, nothing alike, alike at all. Um, yeah. So that's it, my number two, The Prestige. Okay. Um, so, obviously, my number one choice is The Dark Knight. Uh, this is my favourite movie of all time. So, what can I say? Um, I, I, I just... I was on a high from Batman Begins, but I was still... I was nervous going into the Dark Knight, um, just because how many sequels are honestly better than the original, uh, you know? And so going into this and, oh man, I, I remember just, it was, again, this was another staff screening, um, it, it was at the IMAX in Manchester. And I actually worked at the Odeon in, in, in Warrington. And um, I, I, was on, I was on shift till 11.45. And the staff screening was at midnight. And <laughs> I, said, I said to some friends, look, if you want to come to the show in tonight, 
you have to be in my car at 11.46, you know, clock out 11.45, in the car 11.46. It's it's like a 25-minute drive, and I, and I got there in 12 minutes. <laughs> so it's safe to say I broke a few laws in order to get to see this film at a midnight screening. Um, but it was everything... I could have possibly hoped for, uh, like you say, that you know. I I do think Heath Ledger steals the show. He, he his Joker is amazing, but unlike you, I was invested in Harvey Dent's story, and again, that's because I know him from the comic books. Um, I mean, I don't know how, I don't know how much uh, interaction you've had with with Batman in comic book form, but for me personally. I, I loved that element of the story. I, I loved the way the theme of chaos played out in the film and how it took this man who who was considered the most noble of men and stripped him down and how chaos just... It does that, you know, it tears people apart. It turns them into something ugly. And i I just loved it it was it's, it's, it's a it is an absolute masterpiece it's my favorite film I've seen it so many times and i i I could watch it just again and again and again um i've I've done numerous videos on the film and discussions with people and i just it never gets old uh yeah absolute brilliance. Um, so, she comes in the surprise. My number one is Inception. Mm. Um, when I saw the trailers for this, I wasn't really too sure what exactly I was getting myself into. And I, I went to see it a few times in the cinema. And, and a lot of people said the movie was cold. And I never once get that at all. Um, mm. It's... <laughs> How do I even put this? It, it just is such a, an interesting story. That the idea itself of just trying to implant a, a memory into somebody or a germination uh. of an idea is novel itself. Mm. But then you have this whole personal relationship that went awry, kids and, and things like that, that, that puts a family aspect into Cobb's life. That, that shows you a kind of almost self-destructive nature that he has within himself. You know, and, and he knows what he's trying to do is the almost impossible, and he can get lost in the in the world by doing this. But it's a chance he's more than willing to take. Yeah, it has this kind of heist aspect of it about it. I'm a big fan of heist movies. I like <laughs> that kind of twist, and it, and it pulls together his his team of uh, mind thieves to kind of break in and, and put something back, which is really weird. It has this kind of flavour of Bond about it because it kind of jumps about. It can go into a world and have this really snowy scene of bad guys on uh, ski machines and things like that, it's fun, it can put people into a hotel room and spin the world round about and have them fighting, it's jaw dropping but it's got mm. that really strange tale, and the end of it again, my kind of favourite movies leaves it up to you it doesn't tell you the, the final part of the movie, it leaves it up to whatever you want to take away with, and a lot of people get frustrated with those kind of movies but I like it 
because sometimes I can watch a movie and go one way, the next time I can have a different opinion of how it's going to end. I think the special effects were jaw-dropping, and let's face it, that whole wah and the sound became predominant in every movie after that. Every mm. trailer had that really loud horn. Yeah. But what they don't realise is, is it, it wasn't just a loud horn, it was slowed down music because of the world he was in had been elongated time-wise. <laughs> so it was a note of a music that, rather than just going like, bing, was yeah. drawn out. So there's a reason for having it. It wasn't just a cool sound. Um, oh, Inception. I could go on about it for days. I think it's tremendous. It's my number one. It's the movie that, if I had to pick one right now, I would probably put it on. Mm. Yeah, it, it, have it. it is fantastic. It's absolutely fantastic. Um... I just I I do like open endings like that actually because it plays more as a parable that way and and parables are meant to be interpreted they're meant to be you know you you bring to it your own understanding and 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 you you pull out of it different meanings uh, at any at any different time and and when you're just spoon fed an ending when you're when you're told look this is the way it is and that's that then. You're not crediting the audience with as much intelligence. You're you're having to spoon feed them everything. I, that that to me never. I, I I don't think that ever is as satisfying as as being left to your own devices, essentially. Um, not even left to your own devices, but giving you a conversation point. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you know, you can sit down and have mm. a, a full on conversation with somebody. What do you think it means? Mm. I mean, and and, and no one's wrong. This is the thing. No one's no. Everyone's right, but no one's wrong. Because um, when you're not when you're not given the definitive answer, and, and and there will be people out there who talk about Inception and say there is a definitive answer. You know, and they, they'll they'll have made their mind up on it. And and as far as they're concerned, if if you don't agree with it, you're wrong. You're an idiot. But the fact of the matter is, it's open ended. So like. You, you wouldn't be able to have these discussions if there was a definitive answer. Um, but that, that's what's that's what's brilliant about it, and, and people bring their own subjective thoughts and feelings to it. And yeah, I, I, I love movies that do that. So Brian, you, you've been um, you've been a busy little math with during this podcast, haven't you? Yeah. So all of wacky stuff. So obviously, obviously, we've we've given our personal lists for this. Um, but but I wanted to give a a Brits on flicks definitive list. Um, so what I did is I worked out a points system. Uh, so our number one choices I gave ten points. Our number two choices I gave nine points, and so on and so forth until our number ten choice got one point. Uh, obviously, ten films, ten points to dish out, kind of thing. Um, so I've, 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 yeah, while we've been chatting, while we've been putting these together, I've been kind of typing away and keeping track of of the score, keeping track of our points. And this is how the, the final list shapes up. At number 10, with two points, we've got following. At number four, uh, sorry, at number two, with four points, we've got insomnia. Uh, number th- that would be numbers numbers ten and nine. Right? <coughs> so, 
Sorry, yes, number 10 and 9. Oh, man, it's so confusing. So many numbers! Right, number 10, following. Number 9, Insomnia. Number 8, with 7 points, is Dunkirk. Number 7, with 10 points. I'm confusing myself with all these numbers. Oh, I was never good at maths. So, number 7, with 10 points, is Memento. Number 6, with 12 points is The Dark Knight Rises. At number five, with 13 points, is Interstellar. At number four, in joint position, is both Batman Begins and The Prestige. So joint fourth and third position. Uh, with 14 points, yeah, Batman Begins and The Prestige. Uh, at number two, then, with 16 points is Inception, which means that number one, with 18 points, is The Dark Knight. Not fixed at all. That is that is our top ten Nolan movies. We'd love to hear from you, so if you happen to put them in, we'll, we'll drop it on. Maybe a little special podcast just to read out some of your top ten Nolan movies and let us know why we were completely wrong and why our personal opinions <laughs> don't matter. So please... Jump on the bandwagon and let us know. Brian, anything to add? Uh, no. Just, uh, you know, go and give us a rating and review and spread the word. Yeah, there you go. And we will see you next time on Brits on Flicks. Thanks for listening. Bye.